0: where does creativity fit into compliance? In more places than you think. Problem solving, accountability, communication,
1: and connection, they all take creativity. Join your hosts, Tom Fox and Ronnie Feldman on Creativity and Compliance, part of the Compliance
0: Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox along with Ronnie Feldman, back for another episode. Today, we're going to take a look at uh, using humor and comedy um, and creativity to enhance compliance and risk training. So, Ronnie, uh, welcome back.
1: Hey, good to have, good, uh, good to be here, and thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> well, it's your podcast, so uh, I'm not sure I'm having you, but uh, we're going to have some fun today, Ronnie, because you're really going to help uh, help us understand how co- comedy and humor can be key components. I think of getting a message. Uh, to not only stick, but have people who actually want to hear that message. So with that, uh, tell us about comedy and corporate risks.
1: Well, so this is my favorite thing to talk about, um, partially because uh, it seems obvious to me, and when I think when you break it down, it makes a lot of sense in the, uh, uh, that humor uh, is a great tool for learning. Or more broadly, entertainment because humor, uh, entertainment is more broader than than humor. Um, is a great tool for learning, and we see this in our everyday lives all the time. Um, you know, the, even news shows. Uh, if you used to watch TV news shows, they've all taken on more of an entertaining approach. Um, pe- a lot of people get their news from, uh, you know, the, the at the time when Jon Stewart was at his height, people would get the news from the Daily Show or. Um, you know, from from Colbert and talk shows and things like that, um, people use entertainment to consume information. Podcast is a great example of that as well. People listen to podcasts to get information and hopefully you do that in an entertaining way. But somehow it comes into ethics compliance and within the corporate environment and people seem to be reticent, uh, to take on some of these tactics and I find that fascinating. Um, I get it because people are risk-averse. We are trying to mitigate risk for the organization, and by nature, the people who go into this field tend to be risk-averse. <laughs> um, I would argue that if you're a conservative culture, and you say you have a conservative company and a conservative culture, your conservative approach to training and, con- and communication is hurting you. Because the-, the reason you have a conservative culture is because that you are training and communicating conservatively. <laughs> And the, and the problem with that is that people don't pay attention, and they don't remember, and they roll their eyes, and it's uh, – so it's not effective. So these are all the reasons why it's helpful to have a more entertaining approach to your training and communications.
0: So with um, – what are some of the uh, actual reasons it's difficult to engage employees? Uh, so, for instance, have you ever heard any knee-jerk reactions that stop good ideas from going forward?
1: The thing that I hear most often is, Ronnie. Uh, oh gosh, this stuff you, you, you've got here is really great, but my boss won't, you know, go for it uh, because you know we try or we tried humor once and it didn't work, <laughs> which is to be kind of a ridiculous thing to say. Or uh, you know, I like it, but we'll never go for it here. Um, or or um, you know, we want something that's funny, but not too funny. And all of these things are, are really subjective because what. From a leadership perspective, you don't really care whether it's funny or not funny or whatever. You just want things to be effective. And there's a lot of statistics that will show that being more entertaining with your with the way you approach training and communications is a more effective solution. Um, the idea of like we want something you know funny but not too funny. Well, to me, that you can never win that. There is a wide variety of different sensibilities within a company. You know, you have a multi generational, multicultural. There's no single way to engage that workforce. The way you do engage it is through lots and lots of short, little, entertaining approaches because you're always going to get a bell curve of responses. Some people are going to love it, some people are going to hate it, and a bunch of people are going to be in the middle. important to be provocative and interesting to get a pulse out of people but to not put all your eggs in one basket. The idea is to try lots and lots of little things because then you have them Best chance of engaging the most people over time. Um, so then you don't have to worry about funny or not funny, or this one's this one's physical humor and this one's joke, or this is a song. Or the, the companies that I've that I work with that are part of the world's most ethical companies, if you go by Ethosphere's statistics, tend to do lots and lots of short, interesting, creative uh, approaches to training and communication.
0: Ronnie, why is it you say things are funny when they are true?
1: If you take a, you you, you don't even talk about ethics and compliance for a minute. But through my studies in in uh, improv comedy at the Second City and Improv Olympic and uh, the Annoyance Theater and a bunch of these improv comedy institutions, we always talk about that things are funny when they're based on truth. When we study about how to perform on stage, we we talk about not trying to be funny. We talk about being truthful then the humor will come out of the unexpected connections between people. So um, I really love uh, what Gilda Radner said. I watched her documentary this past year. Um, It was about uh, Gilda Radner, and she said, uh, humor is just truth only faster, Uh, which is really a lovely way of saying it because what it means is that it's a way to highlight some piece of truth, and uh, the humor or laughter becomes is because that they they've recognized that truth before you do. So the laughter comes from shared recognition. Um, so applying it to ethics and compliance the idea here is that you can use maybe a character to say the the thing uh, the truthful thing that maybe you don't want an employee to say or to highlight maybe a question that you kind of get all the time, but you don't want to put that at an employee for asking maybe a not-so-smart question. So you you value, you put it through a character. So that's a, a great way to use uh, humor um, as a way to um, get at something
0: truthful. Ronnie, let me take a couple of concepts that seem to me to be almost counterintuitive, yet uh, it seems to me you have tied them together in a unique way. And the first is stand out and get noticed. And the second is break down barriers and open up com- conversations how do you think humor really helps in both of those areas
1: i'll quote another uh, favorite comedian of mine uh, john cleese who he said um the main evolutionary significance of humor is that it gets us from the closed mode to the open mode quicker than anything else and i think we all naturally understand that um, i actually think music does that as well uh, i think that uh, like if you're at a concert and uh, you're all enjoying the same song, you look to the person next to you, they may have absolutely nothing in common with you except for the fact that you have you're both love this this, uh, this song that you're both singing to. And the same thing with with uh, going to the theater or hearing a joke that you, you all laugh at. Um, humor is a way of um, creating kind of a social environment where uh, it helps you uh, connect with other people. Obviously, in a corporate environment where things tend to be a little more milk toast and watered down, doing anything provocative uh like using humor music or uh commercials or any kinds of forms of entertainment tend to stand out stand out more and then you know i tend to geek out on the behavioral science of this stuff there's uh a lot of studies that would suggest that um humor and music make emotional connections with people so that's why you'll remember you know uh uh a song that gets stuck in your head or a, a funny commercial from 20 years ago, uh, you know that's what you'll remember. So I always find that the best educational models have a mix of cognitive learning and uh, uh, emotional learning, meaning, sure, you might need some some more traditional training in there, but they'll remember the little jingle that has the acronym that reminds them of the thing that they're supposed to do.
0: So you uh, really have talked a lot over the few podcasts we've done about emotional connections and the behavioral psychology of both humor and comedy uh, intertwined with training and communications. But you also feel like, or it seems like, that uh, humor and music um, can help make emotional connections, but also uh, things that may seem um, buried in our subconscious may have actually been messages that uh, you heard as a child, and one really the one that struck me, Ronnie, was we remember how uh, a bill becomes law from Schoolhouse Rock. That was one of the most famous Schoolhouse Rock skits. But there's several others uh, you talked about, The Daily Show, uh, Ellen Show, Tonight, et cetera. But uh, things like the Geico uh, slogan, things like that that really stick in our mind that um, have brought uh, both truth and humor into a conversation that in a way that resonated with people is that uh, would that be a fair assessment
1: schoolhouse rock for those of our generation that remember those um is a perfect example i mean so many of us remember those things today because it was uh, a real fun way to teach people about uh you know grammar and politics and science and and all of those things and um uh, so yeah, I think it's a perfect parallel for what we're talking about here. That doesn't, th- these things didn't undermine those messages, even you know they were playful and, and colorful and, and interesting and humorous. They, they augmented them because it was a more creative wrapper to present that information. I'll go you one step further. I think the closer parallel to the ethics compliance state space is the airline safety videos that you see from time to time. You know, Southwest has been doing that for years, not through video, but ha- having their flight attendants do uh, uh, just have personality, uh, and people laud them for for getting those messages out. And then since then, you know, Virgin America and New Zealand Air, and um, I'm sure there are others too that are started adapting um, a a more playful tone around a very serious subject, and they did that because nobody was paying attention. <laughs>
0: So let me let me just pick up, pick up on that because uh, Matt Kelly and I actually did an entire podcast on that subject. His mind uh, got ticked when uh, he was traveling and uh, had to or, or listen to a. Uh, I guess he had to watch a video on Delta. I'm a United flyer, and United takes it a little bit different direction, but equally entertaining and equally engaging. Uh, they take the specific messages: no smoking, follow instructions. Um, uh, how to put on a gas, uh, a, a mask, how to buckle up, all of those things. And they actually uh, have United employees do a short vignette uh, for each topic. And um, as I told Matt, I never knew that uh, your uh, life jacket or life vest was under your seat until I saw that, and I probably heard thousands of, of uh, oral uh, safety videos. But, uh, and I watch it just to see the United employees So uh, it seemed to me that um, it also had the byproduct of those United employees who participated in the uh, filming of those videos, they became more invested in the training as well. And and it wasn't so much train the trainers, but the employee base appreciated that they could share the message of safety with their customer base. Um, And so it yet uh, went in a little bit different direction, Uh, but it just shows, goes to show that you're only limited here by your imagination. And so... Uh, well, that's right. I just think uh, it's a wide variety of, of ways you can do. Ronnie, I, I'd like to end this podcast by uh, asking you some questions about excuses, basically, uh, that you may have heard uh, for why people can incorporate humor or comedy into their training and see if you might be able to give uh, some uh, short answers that people might be able to uh, utilize. So let me start with one. Uh, I really like this one. Um, I love it here, but we have a conservative culture.
1: The issue with that uh, thing, that I and I hear it all the time, is uh, that acts like they're not a part of their culture. Um, that's like, I'm cool, but everybody else is, is uh, conservative. And I would argue that, that we are all part of our culture, and if we want to make a culture that's less conservative, more entertaining, and more informative, then we have to take part in um, building a better business case for why these entertaining approaches are more effective and taking responsibility for communicating more effectively and training more effectively uh, um, uh, through more entertaining devices ourselves. So the only reason you have a conservative culture is because not enough people are... um, Making the business case to do things more interesting and are not doing things interesting themselves.
0: Here's one I really like, Ronnie. My boss doesn't have a sense of humor.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a cop out too. I think now uh, I recognize that there's some political capital that uh, needs to be expended to do something in interesting or, or that's never been done before within a corporate environment. But really what what your boss was or what your you know your executive leadership want is, is an effective solution. So it's not that they don't have a sense of humor. It's just that they, they want to know why this is more effective. And there is information out there that shows that this is more effective. That's one of the things, reasons I'm talking about it. So our responsibility is to present your boss with why this is a better solution. And I guarantee they have as much of a sense of humor as you do. <laughs>
0: And so this is almost a, a stereotypical, but a, at least a classic lawyer one. It's too important. we can't make fun of these issues.
1: Yeah, that, that one comes up from time to time and uh, that's that's actually a misunderstanding what uh, it's it's too narrow a definition for what humor is. Um, there's some humor that makes fun of of an issue, but as we talked about, like I, I always laugh at the Geico commercials or the progressive commercials. Uh, seems like insurance companies go with, with humor. But th- th- those humorous commercials don't undermine the product. They elevate the product. Um, so it has, uh, it has nothing to do with um, making fun of. Uh, it has to do with uh, being in service of the message, just taking these entertaining devices and using them in service of your message.
0: So how about comedy doesn't work here?
1: Well, yeah, that that typically comes up. I think when um, uh, maybe that someone has, uh, uh, you've tr- someone in the organization has tried an entertaining approach, and maybe it hasn't gone so well. Um, and I, uh, you know, so then people are risk averse, like no comedy doesn't work here. Well, no, comedy can work just fine. That execution may not have worked particularly well, and 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 that's because this is not easy to do. As much time and thought as as you as as training uh, ethics clients and training professionals put into coming up with the message uh, and the policies, an equal amount of time needs to go into how you might deliver that information in a more entertaining way. And of course, you know there are outside resources. We are one of them, but there's plenty of other companies as well that also can offer their expertise on how to use entertainment to deliver these messages in a more entertaining way.
0: So how about this one, Ronnie? We're a global company, so we can't use humor or comedy because it won't translate across our employee base.
1: Well, that was partially true in that uh, it's much more difficult to have a universal uh, device that that cuts across all different cultural barriers. But the idea that humor doesn't work across cultures isn't necessarily true. Um, You know, I, I would argue that word choice uh, uh, and you know, wordplay, things that involve wordplay don't t- tend to work as well. Physical humor tends to work better. Music tends to translate pretty well. Um, I go back to the argument that the best way to engage the most people is to do lots and lots of different, short, different, interesting things. Um, because then you engage people through variety and surprise over time. Um, if you're trying to do one big thing for everybody, it yes, it gets harder to to do that, you know, across twelve languages and twelve companies. But my point is if you can present an an audience that you're trying to cr- do something more entertaining for, um, we can create something for that. there are there are certainly ways to do that.
0: And then finally, it's not funny. It's too funny. What if somebody, doesn't find it to be funny at all.
1: Well, I, hey, the story I always uh, share on this: uh, um, there was a a company where we did a um, a series of humorous videos talking about the code of conduct over time, and uh, and we you know we had a lot of uh, physical humor around you know what it was like in the '60s and then the '80s and the '90s, and um, it was a way to draw attention to the code of conduct and, and it, that it was available as a resource um, and a 50,000 person company and they measured, um, whether, uh, whether it was a su- successful campaign and they got an 85% positive response rate. Um, but they also got, uh, like a 8% negative, like didn't like it response rate. And so you have the conversation, is this good news or bad news? <laughs> because 8% of 50,000 people is, is a lot of people. Um, Now, what we decided as a group uh, was that, you know, you'll never get 85% if you do something uh, boring um, or uh, preachy, Um, that 85% is absolutely a huge win for getting a a lot of people engaged. But we also got that 8% engaged in a negative way, and what they chose to do then is then have a, a campaign to the negative naysayers and they had conversations with them. Why didn't you like it? Did you know what we were trying to do? My point is they got it. They used a stimulus to get a response and the negative stimulus in this case was almost as good as the positive stimulus because then we we're having a conversation about compliance.
0: So Ronnie, unfortunately we are near the end of our time, but this has just been a, a great uh, kind of free form discussion about how corporations uh, can use comedy and cre- creativity uh, to enhance training, but really, for me, how to even think about these topics, and really uh, not in not even in uh, limited to training, but in all forms of communication throughout the organization to help enhance uh, employee engagement.
1: We'll probably bring, come back to this discussion again one other time because the, the advice I would leave everybody with is try new things. Don't, don't, don't be too precious. The more that you can, uh, you know, engage people to variety and surprise and try different things, um, the more successful you'll be. And the more successful that you, you'll be, the more that you um, use the entertaining devices that we enjoy at home um, on, you know, TV, podcasts, online, etc. We don't need to reinvent the wheel We already use these things. Let's just bring them into the
0: workplace. Ronnie, I look forward to continuing the conversation. All right. Thanks, everybody.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Creativity and Compliance. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.